Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous team. Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free, episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. Or perhaps, Michael, you can call me Steve Carell, taking a dramatic role in Little Miss Sunshine, and you are the American public that only knows me for the comedic work, because, surprise, surprise, <laughs> here's a change of pace for you. No matter what the pace, no matter what my name, though, no matter what your name is, Michael Hamflit, you can still call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a follow. Please do give us any of your tweets about the show. We just want to talk ourselves horse about everyone's favourite sad talking horse, Bojack Horseman. If you want to uh, follow your hosts, you can also do that as well. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas or you can follow Michael Hamlet. At Michael Hamflit. Um, we'd love you to find this podcast on Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, on Spotify where you can follow, on Acast where you can also subscribe, on Amazon Music where you can try and buy three t shirts but they'll only sell you one, even though the price is definitely only worth three t shirts, but whatever. I don't want to get into that now. Um, they do podcasts, listen to Podcast Horseman there. Um, pretty much anywhere you get podcasts, you can find Podcast Horseman, including every Friday on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. Um, the link will go up every Friday morning with the streaming link for the Acast version of the podcast and for this season and this season only season five our stars on the hollywood talk of fame will be dished out for anybody that quote tweets that link that helps as nicholas says share people talk themselves horse about talking horse quote tweet that chuck a few words in there get out to your followers and uh, you stand to be in a chance of being inducted into the season five hollywood talk of fame another inductee coming at the end of this episode hooba hooba michael that sounds good <laughs> but what sounds better, of course, is the synopsis for this week's episode of Bojack Horseman. We are on Season 5, Episode 3, Planned Obsolescence. Todd meets Yolanda's parents, who don't know she's asexual. Mr. Peanut Butter romances a young waitress. Gina confesses a childhood dream to Bojack Horseman. And is it fair to say, Michael, that this is an interesting episode for all the wrong reasons. Maybe. Should Maybe. we uh, should we dig into some of those reasons? Yeah, let's all find right. out. Hollywood stars and celebrities. 
<laughs> are they interesting? Are they not? Do they know things? Do they not? Let's find out, shall we? We will start with Yolanda, as you did in your synopsis there, but only very briefly. She's in Elefante at a table talking to somebody about honesty. We wonder if this is perhaps going to be Todd building on some of the unease that's existed in their relationship of late. But it turns out she's actually just uh, investigating the restaurant on behalf of the Better Business Bureau. Um, she's just there to do some work. And we're really there to see Bojack and Gina, who are on the next table along. Um, they're eating together. They're extremely sort of comfortable with each other at this point. They know the rules of their relationship. Um, though every time Bojack even gets near the prospect of them becoming more than just a couple that act together, that occasionally sleep together, she pies the idea off completely. It's not something that she wants to be any more serious than already is. Gina's been so straight-laced and down the line with Bojack at the beginning, and this sort of continues on. Pickles, the waitress, of course, the uh, who Mr Peanut Butter was seen kissing at the party by Diane. Um, she comes over to take their order and is totally thrown by Bojack having a sandwich named after him and indeed owning the restaurant outright. That leads to uh, the typical sort of Bojack horseman, the wacky stack confusion over the namings of food. Um, and Gina loses a bit of patience with it and eats a burger, uh, orders a burger, should I say, and goes off to the bathroom. Uh, in the bathroom, she is greeted, and I mean full in her face, by Pickles, who no longer looks as jovial as she is typically when she comes over to take people's orders. Um, she looks a bit sort of concerned. She wants to speak with Gina about what it's like to be dating celebrities, making the assumption, of course, that Bojack and Gina are dating. Gina suggests that it might not be all she thinks it is. Uh, and at that exact moment, Yolanda bursts out of the cubicle stall and agrees. The best way to approach a relationship with anyone in Hollywood is to have, quote, zero expectations pickles looks concerned and we hit the credits off that um just briefly we'll move just ever slightly on the first scene and then we'll kind of wrap up that cold open um because it did set a couple of things up for the episode ahead um the episode starts proper with philbert um finding bojack and gina finishing a evening shoot it turns out that the all of that going on in the restaurant was that night um, and they've gone back to work to finish this particular shot Bojack blows it completely because he appears to not be very good at his job. He's reading the script notes as part of his dialogue. Um, but Princess Carolyn is there to desperately explain to Flip McVicker why it actually works, how he's done it and how he delivered it. She is still playing the desperate devil on Flip McVicker's shoulder. Um, Bojack wants to whinge about Honeydew, but Gina still not wanting to have serious conversations about anything about their personalities. It's just far more interested in listening to her headphones as normal and walks off, leaving him at the buffet. So that's kind of where we're at. We've had a little meeting in the restaurant, but Bojack and Gina have gone to work minutes later, an hour later maybe. Things are happening on one evening. Um, your thoughts on the sort of the, the layout of the episode and the kind of the, the soft launches of all the various plots that we've got through this first couple of minutes? The, the biggest thing that stood out to me for this one is the very beginning of this episode. I love the way that they managed to, like, I've, it's never occurred to me until this one. They managed to link all of the three female companions of the three lead male characters in this show in a chance meeting in the bathroom, in the ladies' room at Elefantia, which it's 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 weird. It's kind of a nothing thing, this. Like, it's a, it's a bit of a nothing meet for these three. But also, I just I don't know, I just like the way they did it. I like the way they used that as a, as a like, randomly. I know, obviously, they're quite good at tying these things together, but Yolanda just there happening to be and mm. expecting it, inspecting the the restaurant, Pickles working there, 
Gina just happened to be a customer there. I just thought it was a nice way to do it, the way they sort of tied all that together. Yeah, it's, well, this is it. It's uh, it's fairly kind of, it's that usual deft touch that we've come to expect from Bojack. Mm. Um, but this is the one and only interaction of the three as well, isn't it? We're not going to, as you say, like this has brought them together now to kind of separate them all apart on their own, on their own very different evenings. Mm. And the other thing it also just, like, I don't know why I've never thought of this, but like it highlights as well that all of the relationships are inter-species relationships. All of them. That's which right, I've never, yeah. Which I've never thought about before. But, like, there isn't there isn't just one that's just human and human. There isn't one that's just horse and horse or, like, dog. There's, like, the um, the two dogs, in fact. There you go. Pickles and Mr. Peanut Butter. The two-dog yeah. relationship. Is that the first time we've had that, though? Maybe, you know. Maybe. The same... Like the same species, same species relationship. Yeah, that's, I've yeah. never, I've never thought about it until then. It was weird. They just struck me and, like that. And it does sort of this episode in particular, and we'll get to it. Plays to the added connection between peanut mm. butter and pickles. So maybe there's a, a reference in that. Um, we will, of course, come back to them. Let's go back to the set where Bojack is with Gina again, getting increasingly frustrated with her ability to just let him not let him in. Oh, did not like this. He rips her earbud out. Because she's not paying him enough attention. And she, uh, that's a infuriating conversation sin. over there. It's a sin. It is a sin. Do not do that to somebody. Um, and she's listening to musicals, not maybe what somebody with a, the colder exterior that Gina has, you would expect. Certainly not what Bojack would have expected. He mocks her for enjoying something so earnest, um, but does so in a way that he kind of. Um, yeah. He remains sort of affectionate towards her. He's basically trying to pay her a compliment that she can maybe have more levels to her than he thought. So in his mind, he's doing right by her. But he goes so overboard in mocking her that he manages to crash into the set, which collapses completely on top of him. Which should have been immediate immediate karmic payment to stop going down this avenue. But Bojack doesn't take that universe's advice. Um, Gina, as always, just sort of blithely walks away from any of that drama. Doesn't really want anything to do with it. Um, but she has more to deal with later on. Um, Bojack is back on set. Again, we're getting, obviously, cuts between the three ABC plots. So when I say we're back on set, it's because we've been briefly to the characters. Um, Bojack is still kind of mocking Gina gently about her love of musicals. But Gina explains to him that it was as a six-year-old that she went to a Broadway show about corn. Uh, but she went to a Broadway show with her mother, and it changed her life. She notes that she's content enough getting steady acting work. But uh, it does remind her... Um, when she thinks about the musicals, when she listens to the songs about the time where she was less jaded in her life, where it maybe didn't have to be about mortgage paying acting work and it can instead still be about chasing dreams. It's something she's kind of parked to one side now, the time that she could do anything. Bojack is legitimately quite touched by the moment until he then points out that it's even funnier how earnest she's being. He's trying to do that thing where he's trying to play by her rules and the only way he knows how to do that is to yeah. kind of, needler and like take little pot shots at her uh, but ultimately he really wants her to come out of her shell and to do this on set to follow this dream um he suggests that she's closer to it than she perhaps realizes he wants her to sing for flip vicker and maybe get in get some sort of musical scene into the show being able to use her talent um he's uh she's not having anything to do with it uh she's sort of after giving him more grief it's, they're in um, what appears to be Bojack's bedroom. It is, of course, the set of Filbert. She storms out of the bath, uh, into through a door, and he's begging her to come out of the bathroom. Then opens the door and remembers that this room is identical to his room, and in fact, she's just walked away from him yet again. One more time later that night, and uh, yet again, Bojack is back with Gina, trying to pester her that she should sing. 
Oni, he's spoken to Princess Carolyn and Flip about her doing it, and he's now effectively signed her up to do it without asking. She's pretty furious with it, but professes that nonetheless, now it's happened, um, she wants to give it a go. Bojack expresses that he's tried to do right by her, even though he can sense that she's pretty annoyed about the situation, um, yeah. because it's a dream, and he wants her to follow a dream. Gina makes a great point. Um, which the men in Hollywood never listen to, which is that Bojack is the star, so good things just happen to him. They don't happen to her. She gives a lot of examples of where she'd be in pecking orders on various TV shows compared to the likes of Bojack, A, because he's a film star, and B, because he's male. Like, that's laid, laid very bare for Bojack, but it still won't quite penetrate, I don't think, at the time. Um, she's mapped out her life, basically, as a job and actor, well into her 60s, but Bojack really pushes her to chase this specific dream, even if it's just once, just in case, and then she'll know either way. Um, she thanks him, kisses him on the cheek quite tenderly, which she's quite touched by because she does at least accept the notion that maybe you give this a go. Um, we're building up to the song, so let's talk about how we got there before we get there. What did you yeah, make of kind of Bojack's pushing of this? Let's talk about this because on the surface, one might think, oh, this is Bojack trying to do something nice, isn't it? This mm. is this is Bojack doing a nice thing. Like, he's trying to do something. No, no, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> because, of course, Michael, he's a stupid, selfish horse. So even though this may come across like he's trying to do a nice thing, what is Bojack's end goal? He wants he wants to, as we saw in the restaurant, he wants them to be more than just this casual thing. He's, he's thinking about a pursuit elsewhere and something more romantic, something more meaningful. So this isn't to help her. This is to help him. Because if yeah. he comes off as the horse in shining armor, like then <laughs> he gets to essentially get to where he go, where he wants to go, as we see with the the sort of initial thank you little kiss on the cheek. He knows it's working, which is oh, you know, back in the day we might have said if this was a Disney film, isn't that lovely, isn't it charming? But right now, all I think all I can think about is what a manipulative little <laughs> horse mother. <laughs> yeah. Disney's a great sort of reference point because she is not a princess and she has not asked for a prince. Nope, she doesn't need seven. She doesn't need... Yeah. She could do this by herself. If she wanted this that mm -hmm. much, then maybe... I know that's the inhibitions thing, but maybe, just maybe, she would have done it herself. And he's, his meddling is not... I don't think... It's, it doesn't feel like... It already doesn't feel like good meddling this. It feels like self-serving meddling, I think it's fair to say. It's great that she highlights, especially in light of that, it's great that she highlights the differences between the two that he has either refused to acknowledge or has been he's had the blinkers on for that we talk about the the key massive differences that even beyond the genders the differences about their where they are at in the sort of the Hollywood pecking order who gets chances who gets opportunity yeah. how much talent matters all of that sort of stuff is the kind of stuff that he seems to be willfully ignorant to that she is constantly across and it's probably just another reason why she does keep a distance from him and everybody that she maybe you know sleeps with. In Hollywood, the people that she doesn't form tighter relationships with because she she gets this system way more than he does, and she just doesn't want any trouble, does she? She likes she likes mm. her life the way she likes it. There's a, I tell you what, there is a little bit of yeah. Just before we move on, there's a little bit of a comparison here between Bojack trying to meddle in um, Gina's world and Gina's dreams. I mean, what does this remind you of? It's the goddamn bell room uh, all yeah. over again. It's, That's right, yeah. It's like the men in Hollywood who can't understand that if you just want something, you should be able to have it. Why yeah. can't you just not have it? And then, obviously, the reality is, like, 
because you're interfering with someone's life. You're getting in the way of you, you sort of you might be trying to quote unquote help, but you're still you're still trying to get your handle on it, aren't you? No, that's a great a great parallel in a, a a show that has always been full of them, and we always like to spot them. And I think that's probably that's probably one of the best in reality because both have proven, as we're about to find out, pretty destructive. Uh, it's we're in uh, Flip McVicker's office. Um, and Gina wants to try and contextualise the song she's about to sing, but um, Princess Carolyn and Flip kind of cut her off. They just want the they just want to hear the song. It's it's they're not particularly interested in the detail. Um, so she cuts that short and she cracks on, and it's aggressively just okay. It's good in bits. It's less so in others. She hits a couple of notes. She misses a couple more. Um, it's just not. A sterling musical audition is the cold reality. It's not a disaster. It's not something from those exploitative Britain's Got Talent auditions or X Factor mm. auditions that you see where people are hauled out to embarrass themselves. It's it's but it's not the home run moment for a star in the making either. It's it's awkwardly neither of those things. Um Gina gets this and apologizes immediately. End of the song, clocks the room, as as you said, she knows this world. She knows what she wants out of her life and she wants to get out of this room right now. Uh, loads of apologies and she just leaves. Flip is unimpressed and Bojack goes to try and defend the audition. But Princess Carolyn stops him and implies that it might be some sort of sexual power game getting her to sing in the first place. She's far closer to the truth than Bojack even wants to admit. Um, Bojack swears blind he was just trying to do a nice thing. But it's very much along the lines of what he's been saying this episode. It's, it's something that he believes He's saying, you know, as, as a lot of the case with a lot of villains in art, they have to believe that what they're doing is right. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they maybe wouldn't yeah. do it to begin with. Um, we're back at Bojack's later on and we see Gina sat on his bed, deleting the show tunes from her, like iTunes or Spotify playlist, whatever it is. Just getting rid of them in one file sweep. Um, she's stifling a few tears. She's obviously quite um, emotional about the, how the day has gone. Um, Bojack is there and apologises. And they agree, which she did at the very start of the episode, to stick into their original rules. Um, but Gina says thanks all the same. She says now she knows and genuinely she was happy to have been able to put that one to bed. I don't know quite how true that one is. But um, Bojack is still apologetic, but she just, again, like rather blankly maintains that all is pretty much fine. Quote, you did your good deed. You can feel good about yourself. Nothing is going to make somebody like that feel bad about themselves. Like a line like that knows how to get to the heart of it. She hasn't done that to put the knife in his back. She genuinely hasn't. She's just done it because she's the best at reading the room. Uh, and she does it again. Quote, I'm going to bed. If you want to have sex with me, you can. Otherwise, I'll see you in the morning. Bojack is left to pensively ponder that whole experience. And that's how his arc, his story for this episode ends. That's us. Pensively ponder that one too. How did all that end in land for you? I mean, what a lane that is. Like to mm. finish it off, you could you could have sex with me if you want. Uh, what was it? What was the lane? Uh, quote: You can have sex with me if you want. Uh, otherwise, I'll see you in the morning. Otherwise, I'll see you in the morning, man. Oh God, like. I don't know. I feel like that sums it up for me. You can you can say that it's aggressively fine <laughs> between, them. <laughs> but I think the look that's left on Bojack's face at the end is more close to the one that was on mine, <laughs> where I was thinking <laughs> this isn't fine at all. 
Yeah. <laughs> You're a piece of shit. Well done. <laughs> you spoiled someone else's dream. Way to go, buddy. <laughs> when are you going to learn? It's been five seasons, you motherfucker. <laughs> I thought it was. Um, I thought it was interesting as well. Bigger picture, Bojack stuff. Um, this is not like a. This is not a hot take at this point. Some somebody else who has like total autonomy over her own life has come into Bojack's orbit and had that thrown off by his very existence again. Yeah, again. just because he's there, just because he literally lives, and he even <laughs> had the and he had the the audacity to interact with that whatsoever, <laughs> like actually just laid hands upon her in any way, shape, moves hands, whatever he's got these days, like. Just I, I mean, it's not, it's not great. This is it, um, horrible and, and sort of cruel to see Gina's dream squashed. But maybe like in that weird desensitized Hollywood way, this that is what you need. It. It's not. I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to come up with something positive here. Um, yeah, not great. This not the best. It's in the obviously it's a powerful line. All the lines are always powerful lines in Bojack, but the you can have sex with me if you want is yep. particularly interesting here because it does play to this idea that a lot of the Hollywood men would want that and that alone. But Bojack with Gina is chasing something deeper and he believes he's gone about the right way to get that. Mm. He's got it all wrong. And the thing she's given him, you know, permission to here, you know is not really what this was about for him in the first place. Mm. She's probably just worked with enough men that it is, which is itself a pretty crushing indictment of the whole thing. Um, yeah, like a, 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 a strong A-plot that perhaps isn't committed enough to, which may, might be the segue to the B-plot, I think, because yeah. we get a lot of what we're about to get. Um said this episode started with Yolanda, so let's get back to Yolanda. Yolanda and Todd are going to meet Yolanda's parents tonight, um, all the same night again, but they don't know that she's asexual. Um, so Todd's got to help her keep that secret. Um, it's great this because it's uh, that kind of sitcom plot in reverse. Typically, you've got the um, the young couple that have got to go and hide the fact that having sex to the stuffy old parents. In this case, they've got to hide the fact that they don't have sex to very outgoing parents. It's really well delivered. Todd's in the uh, what time is it right now office, which never doesn't pop. Like a bazillion clocks all looking around. Um, but it's uh, him not reading the vocal tones of Yolanda saying, uh, <laughs> so that's going to be fine, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Huge silence. Yeah, he feels completely assured by her total panic. Uh, and we're off to the races. We're off to Yolanda's family for tea. Um, they're, big in, they're talking at the table with the family and she's bigging Todd up. She mentions that he went to college um, along with, you know, his real job, which is he's, you know, this sort of like vice president. He's done well in business and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's here where we find out why her family talks so freely about sex. It's because they're all working it for a living, uh, either pornography, sex therapy, or other versions of sex work. That's her mother, sure. her father, and her twin sister are all taken by that industry. Um, Todd just about holds it together, but in trying to fake that he knows like plenty about the, the world of sex and about porn and everything, says Hoover Hoover instead of Hoover Hoover, which is a bit of a red flag. Uh, Yolanda's sister plays footy with Todd under the table, um, but uh, and that sort of triggers Yolanda into thinking now would be a good time for her and Todd to leave, but they can't leave Nicholas. 
They've got anus cake to have and full sexual intercourse to have in their bedroom. Yolanda's father insists upon it. <laughs> um, oh. I wouldn't normally take a break in the V-pot, um, mm. or the C for that matter, but they're both pretty dominant in this episode, and we're going to... It takes a turn, shall we say. What did you make of that? What did you make of that setup for the rest that was about to come? As a, this was very much the sort of the establishing stuff for the remainder of the Todd and Yolanda plot. Uh, it's it's really funny, but like they're playing with some pretty wild ideas. I mean, the ideas are absolutely some of the wildest I think they're going to come out with to this to this point of the show in terms of like. You can see straight away. You call it perfectly there. The premise they've come upon is they've flip. They've went. They've put the whiteboard up and went. Right. What if we did the trope where normally the teenagers are trying to hide the fact that they're having sex? Never mind the fact that they're not teenagers, and there's no reason for them <laughs> to be in like in this house as teenagers hiding. Like they're, they're adults. They're just fully grown adults. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the one thing. But the fact that they completely completely flipped it on the script and it's like, no, we want to see you having sex. And we want to see you eating anus cake that we've made for you. <laughs> this is wildly out there. I will say that much. And only Bojack Horseman, I think it's fair to say, would have the CV and the courage to try and take this on. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, um, again, we've talked about uh, how much like representation matters. And I, whilst they've taken the sitcom and the comedic route, I still think it's really interesting that a programme is... Um, tackling the subject of asexuality yep. and the, the I was going to say the conversations, I don't know if that's perhaps condescending to that community, I would welcome anyone that listens to a show that has a greater understanding of that community than I certainly do but just to keep it in the conversation to keep it at the, at the front of the agenda even if it's against the guise of the farce we're about to discuss, because yeah. that's what it is, it's farce yeah. comedy I think that's that's admirable if nothing else um, but let's get to the farce shall we? Um Yolanda is back in a room with Todd and admits that um, in high school she pretended to be Mindy and seduced Mindy as her sister, identical twins, um, seduced her boyfriend, but it didn't go anywhere because that was when Yolanda, of course, realised that she was asexual. Um, but she speculates um, that that's why Mindy might be flirting. It might be a form of revenge that she's looking to take now that Yolanda's finally bought a boyfriend home. Um, they're interrupted by Yolanda's mother who needs help, quote, moving furniture. But when she takes Todd away to help move furniture, it turns out she's trying to seduce him to prove that he's asexual. She's clocked on to some of the clues at the table. She didn't Hoover, have to be that... <laughs> Maybe all is not quite what it seems. Um, and he manages to escape, but he only escapes into Mindy's room. And I feel like I should mention at this point, we get a... I don't even know the, the way you would describe it, but the you're basically looking at three doors in a flat image. Um, and the idea is to create that kind of Scooby-Doo effect of characters running in and out of doors. You've got characters that look the same. You've got a, a series of misunderstandings that I will do my best to try and navigate through. So um, anyway, yes, he goes into Mindy's room instead of Yolanda's by mistake. And Mindy propositions him for sex at midnight. So that is potentially on the cards. He updates Yolanda of what Mindy said. And Yolanda concocts a plan that thinks it's going to get everybody out of trouble. Um, she's going to dress up as Mindy and then tell her mother that Todd made a pass at her as Mindy, if that makes sense. That'll at least convince uh, her mother that Todd's not asexual at all. Todd says he can cope as long as it gets literally no more complicated than this. This is the exact level of sort of subterfuge that Todd can cope with. 
but it's never going to go that way, is it? The Midnight Cock Crows, and what a <laughs> tremendous character that is. But uh, as Mindy sneaks out of the house, expecting to see Todd, Yolanda sneaks in to Mindy's room to get her clothes. Um, the mother has become so intrigued with the concept of asexuality that it's turned her on, question mark. She's now found a moment where Todd is alone in the bedroom and is straddling him, wanting him to teach her the ways of asexuality. Um, in the meantime, Yolanda, dressed as Mindy, gets to speak, goes to speak to her mother, who she doesn't realise at this point is trying to asexually seduce Todd, but gets derailed by her dad, um, who believes her to be Mindy, of course. Um, she, he needs a favour. And while she goes to see to her dad, Todd is left alone so that Yolanda's mother can add more clothes to her ensemble, which was the advice Todd gave her, wear as many clothes as you possibly can. Are you following this? I'm doing my best, I promise. Back with Yolanda, dressed as Mindy, with her dad. And his favour is that he wants to give Yolanda a family heirloom, Nicholas. One of those classic father-a-daughter gifts that you can only really deliver at a certain point in your life. That's right. It's a ginormous keg of lube. Ugh. Not just any lube, their family grandma grandmother's lube, antique lube, that's apparently worth $100,000. Only the best lube. Meanwhile, Mindy, of course, is dressed as Yolanda, goes to seduce Todd, but that's interrupted by the real Yolanda to explain the lube situation and to suggest maybe, Todd, this plan is getting a little bit out of hand. There's a great visual gag about who's who. It's that usual thing they do where the innocent, let's say, babyface character can't quite figure out which of the two twins is the evil one and which one yeah. is the good one. Even though because it's Bojack, they use the dialogue to make it 100% obvious who's Yolanda and who's Mindy. <laughs> but Todd, Todd just can't figure it out. That is a genuinely cute gag. Um, it's 1,000% clear who's who. Um, but nonetheless, the uh, the sisters fight. The fight bursts out of the room, um, which knocks the lube everywhere and all over the house. Uh, everybody's covered in this lube. Uh, it's what happens is like there's, a, there's like a cork in a keg and the cork has come out. So the, the lube at this point is flowing out of a hole in the keg. Um, and it's not getting any better. Yeah, <laughs> I popped. Yolanda's dad says the only thing that can stop the flow of lube is Todd plugging the hole with his erect penis. Unless, of course, he's been deceiving him about having sex with his daughter. Todd, of course, desperately tries to delay things, tries to suggest that he's going to use his <laughs> <laughs> but then when he goes to take his shoe off he stumbles into the barrel which knocks it onto the floor the keg just shatters everywhere they're all absolutely soaked in the lube everything's gone wrong shall I try and wrap all this up before I get some of your thoughts on this because I, I do you want to breathe it now or should we you should you should you should probably try and wrap this up but I can, I can only let you interject I'll, I'll interject sorry for a second just to say that you forgot to mention Michael that you know as we all know Todd was doing that quite logically because you know the big toe is the penis of the foot after all. <laughs> penis so. of the foot. It's the penis of the foot. I've got worrying feelings that Peter Andre thought that once. Anyway, Todd slips and slides um, around the house. It's like sort of looks like a, a figure skater goes through the house on this one line of lube. <laughs> Sorry, he apologizes to every family member as he slides out of the house on lube skates. <laughs> Uh, the door slams behind him and the family are left to discuss what has gone down. Um, 
in the heat of Yolanda and Mindy's fight, they're literally tearing off each other's arms to hit each other with. Yolanda finally blurts out that she didn't seduce her boyfriend because she's asexual. What we then get is the uh, the long, sort of like uh, the verbose, a short time later graphic. In this case, it's one thorough but respectful dialogue later. Yolanda and Todd are driving away from the house already. And it turns out her loving family were just fine with all of it. Um, it's really what she should have done all along was just tell them the truth and everything is grand. All of this farce was completely unnecessary. Of course it was. It's a nice moment, but it's punctured by Todd accepting that they have to break up. Um, asexuality, he believes, is all they've got in common. He notes, of course, that when uh, they were first sitting down to dinner, she lied about his credentials as a person. Um, regardless of anything else, it was something that stuck with him that maybe they're just not right for one another, which has been bubbling under with Todd and Yolanda yeah. in what, li what little we've got of them this season. Um, it ends really quite sweetly. Um, they agree. It's that old adage where people agree to get back together sometimes if they get to a certain age and they're still single, but they land on age 100 for some reason, rather than maybe 40 or 50. Um, it does allow for Yolanda to pitch some daft situation where Todd has accidentally taken over the care home. Todd thinks that's probably going to occur. I forget what the set piece was. It was probably something to do with robot insects. Um, Todd's episode ends with him rather glumly being back at Princess Carolyn's apartment alone again. At Unpick that if you if you can. Do you know what it is? I don't think I will actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I will. Much like Todd, I think I will avoid putting my penis in the uncorked lube hole. Is that is the narrative you've just thrown at me there and covered me in, you disgusting, disgusting <laughs> boy. Um, <laughs> this is, and I didn't say this lightly earlier, and I won't say it again. This is up there. Even to this very point in the show, uh, with the the most out there they go, they've gone. Like mm. it is convolutedly complicated. Like as you mentioned, the whole like the in and out of the three doors, the ambitiousness of trying to like make believable that the mother would be attracted to Todd as well, <laughs> and then the sister also attracted to Todd, and all of them missing each other. It's it's madness. It's bedlam. It's Scooby Doo levels of ridiculous mixed with uh, pornography. Essentially, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to describe this. Um, it's crazy. It's it's straight up crazy. This, um, but actually, there are still some real popper moments. And Todd skiing around the whole house basically on lube skates is funny stuff, man. To the point <laughs> where the dad just opens the door and lets him fly out the house is yeah. amazing. Lots of stuff to enjoy in there, but it is madness. And as you read it out, anybody who hasn't, anybody who's listening to this podcast because they like podcasts and hasn't actually watched the episode, <laughs> I cannot even begin to think what you must be trying to picture right about I, now. I swear I did my best, and I say that knowing my best wasn't good enough. It's it, they made it like almost immune to being recapped. Uh, positive in some respects because yeah. you have to see it to kind of fully, fully like embrace what's actually happening and the, the kind of context of the scene itself. Aye, there were some hard yards in my notes there. <laughs> I did also just want to give you a little, I'll give you a funny one for free from the horse around uh, on the topic of you saying they landed on a hundred years as the time for, if we haven't found partners by the time we're a hundred, we'll, um, we'll get back together. The average lifespan 
which I won't give, I won't tell you what what species she is yet, because I'm going to save that for the actual horse around. But of the species that um, Yolanda and her family are, the average lifespan is 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> so I realise that may not apply, obviously, because they are anthropomorphic. But still, that's funny nonetheless. <laughs> I do like that very much. Um, and I got to be honest, like I, I kind of wanted a slice of a dad's anus cake. <laughs> I just put it out there. I just wanted to know what it looked like, but I think it's even better that they left me guessing. So I that's it. The best horror movie monsters are always left unseen, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. The worst um, ones are in my brain that haven't yet been turned into a cinema. Shall we? Uh, from the cinematic, we're going to have to. We've got no choice. We have to. To the romantic. Let's get uh, Mr. Peanut Butter and Pickles. Um, obviously, we saw Pickles in the cold open, um, working, but also being forced to ask a few difficult questions of herself and her relationship with Miss Peanut Butter. Um, and we see her shift finishing for the night, Elefante, um, and she's surprised by Mr. Peanut Butter picking her up in a limo. Um, I'm not going to do all these lines, A, because I couldn't do them justice, B, because a couple might pop up in yours section of the podcast, and C, if they don't, go and watch this episode, because they're all amazing. But these two bond over Mr. Peanut Butter's long, ridiculous patterns of finding obscure and obtuse ways to make a point. They both love these. And this bit of dialogue that I'm not going to do justice to is lit with them, immediately establishing quite a tight bond between these two. Are they a 007, Michael Hamlet? Because they are going to bond, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Them. Absolutely. Loads of them. Um... They're going tonight to watch the <laughs> International Space Station get blown up. I love that as an aside for this episode, by the way. Um, they're going to see the International Space Station get blown up. Um, Pickles is excited and Miss Peanut Butter is happy uh, that she's excited rather than angry, which is one of several very small petty digs you'll take at Diane in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, she's impacted by the chat that she's had with Gina and Nylander in the toilets. Um, she wants to take it slow, so they go, but they make it ex- like explicitly clear that it's not a date. Um, so the whole night is basically spent trying to put off the fact that they're on a date, but not on one. Um, they're in the limo um, and they've made space between each other, oddly very 2020-2021, because they feel like they were socially distanced before such a phrase even existed. Um, and typically with Bojack Horseman, there's a song on the radio where the lyrics are just, this is a romantic song. Um, so they're looking for anything to like sort of take the awkwardness out of the air. Um, the driver notes that she has a podcast, so she flicks the podcast on, which just happens to be a girl crush one presented by Diane. Of course it is. Can you believe it? Um, it's space station related. So at least it's relevant to what they're doing with their evening. Um, but gradually, Diane just starts bringing up the divorce in the conversation. Um, she is referencing the relationship directly. Uh, sorry, should I say she's referencing Pickles and Mr. Peanut Butter's relationship directly, including saying how she, quote, feels bad for Mr. Peanut Butter's new girlfriend, which gives Pickles yet more cause for concern. Um, she says that they're hungry, so they've got to stop for food. And we find them at a very fancy restaurant, but in their attempt to not make this feel like a date, they are both just diving in on this enormous plate of spaghetti and meatballs. It's not lost on anybody. This is obviously mimicking the Lady in the Tramp visual of the just the mammoth piles of spaghetti. And they're just greedily working through it as well. They really enjoy it. There's no sense of subtlety or romance. There's a comfort between them, but they're trying very hard to keep a distance as well. Um, 
they're also showing that level of comfort by just being completely truthful, by being totally honest, giving away little secrets about each other. Pickle sleeps with a stuffed toy. Mr. Peanut Butter has never watched The Wire. And he says he probably never will. Uh, he says he's never, ever wanted kids, but he judges every parent when he walks down the street. Believe me, as a parent, you feel that judgment off those people every single time. Um, and he goes one too far and admits that he has feelings for Diane. It kills the moment and... Uh, the death of the moment is celebrated by them both landing on that shared piece of spaghetti by Lady and the Tramp and then having to sigh, realising that it's not going to lead to that romantic kiss between the two. Um, we again kind of cut back and forth through the plots and finally cut back to them at the explosion where a safe distance is still being kept. Pickles is like off a picnic blanket while Mr Peanut Butter is a bit more cosied in. Gradually, she kind of comes his way. They start bonding again. They start talking about the things they've really got in common. Um, ultimately, it's boiled down to the pretty simple stuff. Um, Peanut Butter just thinks that she's special and he's excited by where it can go. He doesn't know and he's just coming out of a divorce, so he knows it's not the best time. He acknowledges that. He has had more failed relationships than good ones, obviously, so he can't make any promises that he doesn't want to be able to um, come across like he's lying to her. She admits that she's scared about the future together, um, but he manages to reassure her. And the last scene, not just of this plot, but of the whole episode is of them kissing passionately as the space station explodes. In course, of course, in contrast to how Todd and Bojack's episodes have ended. Um, yeah, sweet, quite sweet. Um, the start formally of a relationship, I guess, that we saw the the introduction of, the launch of last week at the, at the party that Diane saw first before we did. Um, yeah, like, just quite nice, this one. Maybe the light, in order, like, to balance the shade of Bojack's plot specifically, I think. You know what they call this, don't you? Go on. And they call it puppy love. Because the dogs, because the dogs, you see? It's funny, it's funny because the dogs. You'd think I would spot one of them, but I guess I'll never know. Ah, lovely stuff, this. Lovely. Do you know what it is? It's almost like they basically, for once, decided to celebrate the fact that these two dogs have so much in common, and that's why it's working, whereas Gina and Bojack don't have that much in common, and that's why it's not working. And um, Yolanda and Todd definitely don't have that much in common, apart from the fact they're asexual, and as a result, they split up, because Todd is wise enough, almost like he has a higher level of thought process my <laughs> to make the correct decision there i like this i did like uh, the pickles and mr peanut butter narrative in this particularly felt like things were happening it felt good i don't know i like the i like the exploration uh, of, of the way they were feeling because it's been a while since we've seen peanut butter just look like he might be in a good place and although obviously he's yeah. just come out of, out of a divorce this does feel like a good place right yeah i think so it felt um it felt true I like that they lent on things like honesty. And yeah, Peanut Butter's digs at Diane were unpleasant. But the point that the writing was trying to make was he's feeling like he's bursting out of a cocoon a little bit. He's maybe felt more oppressed by Diane's dislike for his surprises than he was ever willing to admit. And now he can admit it because he's in the company of somebody that absolutely loves them. And it's a bit like what you're saying about the other couples acknowledging their flaws. This was a celebration of... Yeah, those things that people have in common. 
like the the idea that you can come together with somebody and have shared interests and it not be so wild <laughs> like that that doesn't have to be a weird thing or a novelty it can just be nice ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So what you're saying is that when Mr. Peanut Butter was learning how to ski from Professor Thistlethorpe, he wasn't just learning how to ski, he was also learning how to get inside a cocoon and re-emerge from his chrysalis of restrictions as this brand new dog of the week is what you're saying to me, right? God damn it. In our in our day <laughs> job. In our day job. Part of our occasional working relationship is you very politely, I must say. I was saying, I wonder if in that stupid brain of yours, you've got this little reference point that you can help me with, because I'm looking for a particular video, and I've got this stupid brain of mine that have that reference point. I forget, I forget that yours is every single animal gag on this goddamn show, because I did not expect, I didn't want to get thistlethorped this evening. (laughs) It's been a long week, and you've done it again, goddammit. Nobody ever wants to get thistlethorped, but you never see it coming. You never see it coming. I wish I could forget some of these animal gags. I wish. But they are literally haunt my goddamn dreams. I hope you know this. Anyway, shall we do some more gags? Let's, let's have some more animal gags. Bring them let's on. have some more animal gags, shall we? This is the part of the show where we go back to the very beginning of the episode and we call it Horsing Around. We go through and look for all of the things you might have missed, all the hidden meanings behind certain gags, all the um, little details within the episode and all the Easter eggs too. Um, that have been put in lovingly by the creators. And there are quite a few this week. And not to mention plenty of quotable material too. We go back to the very beginning of this episode. Although technically not, we go back to the opening credits because really there wasn't that much in the cold open to dig into. But in the opening credits, something that wasn't brand new for this week, it it actually is brand new for the first episode of this season. But we couldn't mention it because we are a spoiler-free podcast. Um, But Pickles is in the opening uh, credits for this one, I believe. Um, She's dancing at the party by the television um, in Bojack's living room once you get through the three opening bits. 
Um, so she's there. I, th- I think she's been there since the beginning or since the last episode. I think one of the two. Well, obviously, we couldn't technically mention it just yet right, yeah. until now. Um, we go to the set of Philbat, though, uh, and there's a couple of posters in the... It's like what well, on set is in, like, in the dressing room is the scene that Bojack and Gina are shooting an episode in. And there's a poster on the wall for, instead of showgirls, it's a poster for show squirrels, Michael, which has been awarded five golden acorns because it is a number one show. <laughs> <laughs> There's also another poster for Le Feline de Paris, but I didn't get much on that. So if anybody does have more on that, ask Podcast Horseman, by all means. Send us them in. Um, we go across to What Time Is It Right Now HQ, though, and there's a wonderful gag outside before we get in the building where we did see the lizard man uh, earlier. I think it might have been in the first episode where we stole a, lo- a lollipop from a baby in a pram. Well, he's at it again because there's two of them outside trying to hail taxis and they keep ignoring them. There's one man and one lizard man and the lizard man just gets sick of waiting. So fires his tongue to attach himself to a taxi <laughs> that pulls him off the scene. It's brilliant stuff. Um, but we go into Todd's office in what time is it right now? And of course, there's nothing really hidden or excellent about this. Todd has a gigantic novelty mug. <laughs> and on that mug, it says, Number one, biggest number one boss mug. <laughs> <laughs> so don't get it twisted. He's not your number one boss. He's just has the number one, biggest number one boss mug. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Oh, Along with one. his like desk that. tidy, his desk tidy that is labeled in three tiers. Yes, no, and never. Felt <laughs> 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 so, quite cute indeed. We go across to Elephant here. And it's just about time I get the old quotations out because, Christ, you mentioned them earlier, and there are plenty to dive into. Mr. Peanutbutter's first one of his favourite type of quotable material, which you may remember from the start of this podcast episode. Am I Steve Carell taking a dramatic role in Little Miss Sunshine? And you are the American public that only knows him for this comedic work because, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> to which Pickles replies... Uh, just, oh my before God. Do, just before, sorry. I think the one that you're about to say that Pickles did is my favourite this show has ever done. Outstanding. Outstanding. I love this one. I love this one. Absolutely outstanding. Pickles says back to Mr. Peanut Butter in response, oh my God, are you the umlau in Chloe Sevigny's name right now? Because I don't know why you're here, but I'm glad you are. <laughs> and you know what, Pickles, sure. sometimes, sometimes that's how I feel about you. That's this, whenever we <laughs> do this podcast. Genuinely, sometimes I ask myself this question, and yet you know what it is. I'm always happy to see you. Because much like Peanut Butter says, as Courtney Cox said when she discovered a rotten corpse in the woods near the Cougar Town set, good God, I hope you're not busy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Just, although he does then say it. That one's a thinker. You'll get it later. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, like, uh, I, I, I want sometimes, though, like, because, you know, obviously for those that don't, Busy Phillips, um, I want sometimes to get the view of like the celebrity watching along and then bolting upright when the name is mentioned in that sort of context. I would love, I would love to see the anticipation as they wait for what's the line going to be. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. This um, there is also a great line here though as we go back to Pickles and Peanut Butter who are having a little discussion outside still, and Pickles says, "Are we moving too fast?" She's asking Mister Peanut Butter. She's worried because Michael, a wise lady in the bathroom, told me some stuff. And she says, I think her name was Hamburger, <laughs> which <laughs> is a callback to when they're sat at the table and Bojack and Gina are trying to order the food. Bojack tries to order the Bojack sandwich, 
Pickles starts the conversation. Are all celebrities named after food? Or is all food named after celebrities? At which Gina then says, I'll have a hamburger, in which case Pickles has connected the dots there, and that's what she thinks her name is, which is so stupid, but it's so great. Because Pickles' own name is, of course, Pickles. <laughs> that's only just hit me. Are all celebrities named after food? No, but you are, Pickles. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It shows you as well the way she has that dog-like brain of just... Being a bit simple, yeah. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as Mr. Peanut Butter is getting into the limousine, he's not finished yet, Michael, because as they have agreed, this is not going to be a date. This is going to be them two just going out for a bit of a friendly night. He says, is this that mysterious brown or Dave I ate at Mark McGrath's pool party last week? Because, oh boy, not a date. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, it never ends. It never ends. But we do. It ends now. And we go across to the set of Phil Bath, um, where Bojack is in the middle of, as he mentioned earlier, he's saying that he tried to entice Gina in. Had she heard his honeydew rant? He, te- he asks mm-hmm. that earlier in the episode. Well, when we cut back to the set of Phil Bath, we find ourselves coming in the middle of Bojack's honeydew rant, as he says, and finally, Carnegie. Thus concludes the two-item list of acceptable melons. And for anybody who's completely confused, much like I was, a quick bit of Googling will tell you, of course, that that is a reference, Michael, to... You don't know this, because I didn't. It's a reference to Carnegie Mellon University, which is a university. There you go. How do you you like them apples, eh? See? More fruit humour, melons, apples. Hey, I tell you what. We keep I prefer them to honeydews. I know that much. (laughs) Aren't you glad we've still got these ones in the back? Anyway... On top of this, though, we also get, um, as as Bojack, as you mentioned, comically falls over and has half the set land on him because of how stupid he is, uh, taking the piss out of Gina. He lands on the floor and says the line, once again, my life has been worsened by a brush with musical (laughs) theatre. And you know what is? Part of me can relate to that. I also think sometimes your life can be drastically improved, but there are, it has its moments. I think it's fair to say. We go to the road now, Michael, on the way to San Bernardino County, uh, which is where Mr. Peanut Butter and Pickles are driving in their limousine. And there's a sign that says they are now exiting Los Angeles County, which is the Dream Factory, and now entering San Bernardino County, the Nightmare Factory, (laughs) (laughs) as it is referred to in the sign. But inside the limousine... Um, <laughs> I don't know why but this, these are mostly just things that made me laugh at this point Mr Peanut Butter saying there is nothing less romantic than learning <laughs> <laughs> and you know what it is as much as I thought hey learning's good I think you might be onto something there you know I didn't hear that yeah, <laughs> yeah I think you might be onto something but it didn't pop me half as much as and maybe it's just because we do the podcast but Diane working for Girl Crush and doing the Crush the Crush cast podcast I don't know why I found that funny, but I did. Um, but then, obviously, within that episode of her podcast, Diane is talking about um, the term planned obsolescence comes up. And she says, ah, planned obsolescence, which is, of course, the title of this episode, we should point out, giving yes. us the name. Uh, she says, sounds like a good description of my last marriage, little zinger for you. So I thought, you know what it is, Michael? Why don't we just find out what planned obsolescence actually means, shall we? Let's do some actual... Here's the definition for you, just to hammer home how much is really sticking it to Mr. Peanut Butter here. Plan obsolescence is a policy of planning or designing a product with an artificially limited useful life or a purposefully frail design so that it becomes obsolete 
after a certain predetermined period of time upon which it suddenly ceases to function or might be perceived as unfashionable. (laughs) (laughs) Have a bit of that, Mr. Peanut Butter. But funnily enough, Michael, we have actually found another thing in this limousine. What does Mr. Peanut Butter hear more than his ex-wife talking about him on a podcast? Well, apparently it's a song by 21 Pilots because (laughs) as the... uh, is the limousine driver, who is, of course, a cabra-cadabra driver from one of the old world, uh, whale world uh, dancers who's been turned into, a, turned into a driver, I say, transformed, changed the jobs to become a driver, I should say, changes the channel on the radio, and a 21, <laughs> the radio says, and now the next song from 21 Pilots, to which Mr. Peter Butter says, ooh, maybe we go back to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is another one of those classic RBW. I don't really hate them. It's just funny to laugh at 21 mm-hmm. Pilots. Or maybe he yeah. does. Thoughts in the comments. Let us know at Podcast Horseman. Uh, we go across to Yolanda's parents' house now, where we will be going back and forth from because there's a lot of madness in here, but also a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, on the drive of their um, house is Yolanda's car that is parked there with the license plate. B3TTRBB, which is, of course, Better BB, standing for the Better Business Bureau, where uh, Yolanda works. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the family species, of course. Uh, They are a family of axolotls, Michael. And for anybody who doesn't know, the axolotls are also known as the Mexican walking fish. And they are a neotenic salamander related to the tiger salamander. Although colloquially known as a walking fish, though, the axolotl is not a fish but an amphibian. There you go. How about that? Okay, that's good. But they are really cute as well, I should point out, which is, I love that they've used them as the characters, any species structure for these characters in particular. Now here's a gag that I loved, loved, loved in this episode, which I have never noticed before until now. So of course, they've gone around for dinner, Michael. They're all having dinner. They're having food. There's a nice spread out there. But if you look a bit closer, Michael, there's something very specific about this spread. All of the food that is on the table in one of the, when you look at the property, most unappealing spreads you could ever ask for, really. All the foods are aphrodisiacs, Michael. Sorry, you said unappealing spread, and I started thinking of the anus cake again. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> Sorry, there were all aphrodisiacs on the table. Sin on the table is an aphrodisiac, and they are from left to right as follows. There is a plate full of chocolates, there is a plate full of maca roots, which for anybody who knows is an aphrodisiac from a Peruvian region, I believe, the maca root. Um, there are also what I believe to be either oysters or abalones, which are like slightly bigger uh, shellfish. Uh, or maybe the oyster uh, oysters themselves are just bigger because are they from, are they meant to be a bit closer to being like human-sized oyster? I don't really know. Oh, yeah. Quite possibly. Uh, and the other one is kale, which I did do my homework on, and kale technically falls into the bracket of an aphrodisiac. Um, I was going to call it a fruit there, but it's a vegetable, isn't it? Because I'm an idiot, of course. <laughs> uh, but I just thought that's great. And the, but what a weird combination of things, by the way, to put on a plate. If you think about all, all of them together, they don't really fit at all. But never mind. Oh. Everybody's enjoying the spread. Um, <laughs> Yolanda's father, of course, as he mentions, is a, a rotic novelist, I think he calls himself. And he whips out his book, which is called Girth, which has the picture of a tape measure on the front of it, <laughs> which it. says, and a little, a little bit at the bottom that says, from the author of Depth, <laughs> which is his other book, which sounds like another delightful read. Um, and Yolanda's uh, mother, of course, we are told, is um, 
an erotic film, a, a, like essentially a, a porn star in porn films. Um, and we get two of the posters for her films on the back of the uh, in the back of the room. And I am wondering, Michael, if maybe this was the reason why they chose uh, to have them all being uh, axolotls as the species that they are, because the posters read as follows. Um, one of them is it's called Axolotl. <laughs> <laughs> Then of Axolotl, <laughs> obviously, and the font for that, interestingly, is the Grand Theft Auto font, which I noticed just randomly. Um, right. But also, the other poster is called, it's just called Axolotl, but it's got three X's because it's like triple X, it's triple X rated because it's a porn film. Good. I'm Very almost good. 95% sure that's why they've chosen the Axolotl. Yeah. Be their species. Honestly, that's my feelings on the matter. So they, so they have to backward engineer Yolanda's entire character from yeah. that gag, don't they? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and I think it was worth it as well, you know. Yeah. Um, also, inside this room full of interestingly related sex things, uh, there's flower art on the wall, which is another Georgia O'Keeffe painting. We've seen one of these before in the uh, only, only albino rhino gyno's office he had a georgia o'keefe painting of course because he's a gynecologist well in here it's another um it's called the the painting that's on the wall is the color lily turned away which is famously known as being a representation of female genitalia michael there you go um right. which is like a little I think it's a white lily i want to say inside the yes. kind of say close-up mm-hmm. looks very innocent shall i say uh, mm-hmm. but there's also another picture this one's a bit more interesting you only kind of see the legs of it to begin with um it, it's like essentially a set of leather someone in a leather onesie lying on a bench um and you can see the legs sticking out at the bottom this is actually a, a photograph by photographer robert M- maplethorpe um and the photo itself the real life photo was actually called joe slash rubber man and uh, just for anybody who doesn't already know, Maplethorpe is an American photographer who captured the New York gay scene of the 80s. And that this picture is someone in like a leather onesie sort of spread across the bench, um, which kind of just fits the theme of the room, along with, as we should point out, uh, just a ton of sex statues, literally tons of them, <laughs> all different shapes and sizes, all puns intended, um, as well as a clock. <clears throat> we know Todd is now working heavily with, and both the hands on the clock are the male and female symbols pointed at eight o'clock. Um, I think, other than Todd saying hooba hooba, <laughs> <laughs> and him also saying, who knew that you could make such a realistic anus out of marzipan, Michael, which I know is a question you and I both had at the start of this episode. Um, that's all for oh, that. God. We then move into Yolanda's bedroom, though, um, which is obviously still kind of done up as her bedroom from childhood. Uh, there's a post on the wall that says, <laughs> and who did I relate to this? Dare to fail at inadequacy. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the certificate on her wall for being the amphibian valedictorian, because, of course, she considers herself to be quite a knowledgeable woman. Um, there's also another picture on the far right of the wall that says, I'll self-care when I self-die. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's also on her uh, bedroom... I guess it's like a, a book bookcase, bookshelf. There's a couple of pictures of her and her sister who are posing, presumably in England, with the Queen's Guard. And it gives you a good sort of depiction of the difference between the two sisters. Yolanda has literally just stood there mimicking the same pose, the boring, like, generic pose of the Queen's Guard. And I don't even think she's doing it on purpose. It's just how it is because she's boring. And the sister has got has like basically got a leg over one of the guards and has <laughs> across them 
like essentially trying to kiss his cheek, I think she is in the picture. It's just a great little detail, but a good way to show mm. the difference between the two sisters. Um and then obviously of course Todd gets offered some pajamas by the by Yolanda's dad. And what can only be described as a full leather bodysuit akin to the one, if, if you've ever seen Pulp Fiction, that the guy who they get out the little treasure trunk and bring him out for his random sex acts. Uh, it's exactly the same as that, basically. Um, and I guess in, in itself, Michael, is a clever callback because technically, what else is in that film? We get the line, Yolanda, be cool, you know, when they're in the, when they're in the restaurant. Yes. And I think there's a little Pulp Fiction wink and nod there between them two, course, yeah. um, which is just quite cute of this show, really, isn't it? Um, but yes, we go from one bedroom in the house to another. We go to Yolanda's. I assume it's the parents' room or maybe just the mother's, but I think it's the parents' room in general. Um, and just, I just, just to point out the ridiculousness of this, as if it hasn't been hammered home, Michael, already, that, that, that they both love sex in this house. Everybody loves sex. The entire top of their dresser is just covered in loads of... And loads of sex toys, like every <laughs> shape, size, version you can think of is on there, as well as what I can assume is a chair or just a very, very large penis-shaped object in the bedroom. It's just there. I've called it a penis-shaped chair. I'm not sure if it is a chair or just another big sex toy. Um <laughs> <laughs> but then, of course, we get the brilliant um, line from Yolanda's mother, who says, "Any when she takes off her clothes and Todd doesn't quite want to ravish her, she says, any ordinary man would be madly aroused by the body that starred in every single porn version, Michael, of a John Hughes movie. And just to give you a little rundown, along with the originals, 16 cans instead of 16 candles. We get titty in pink instead of pretty in pink. <laughs> The Breakfast Chub instead of The Breakfast Club. We get Homo Bone instead of Home Alone. We get Come Kind of Wonderful instead of Some Kind of <laughs> Penis Bueller gets off instead of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And, of course, the most uh, well-thought-out one of them all, planes, trains, and auto-erotic mobiles, <laughs> as opposed to trains, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Anyway, we finally get to leave. We go back to the set of Philbats. Um, and there's a really, you you mentioned where Gina sort of mentioned about her childhood dream and why she likes, and Bojack's trying to offer her the chance to uh, sing in front of Princess Carolyn and Flip and Ficker. And she says the line, uh, she talks about a career and goes through it through to her 60s and essentially says like, and then I can be in a movie where I play Benjamin Bratt's mother, she says. All of that feels like a clever tee-up just for the line from Bojack where he can say, is that what you want? Always the brat's mom and never the brat, which is what he says. <laughs> which sounds strange, but it also sounds very familiar, Michael. And I think this is a, whether it's conscious or not, a callback, whatever it's conscious, of course it is. It's, it's Bojack Horseman. It's better than the show you like. Call all the way back to season one, episode one, I think, uh, where Mr. Peanut Butter, said, a very different Mr. Peanut Butter, I think we can all agree, says to Bojack, always a Clydesdale, never a Clyde. Of course, which yeah. Is the in itself uh, reference to, of course, the phrase "always the bridesmaid, never the bride," which I just think it's just another take on that line, isn't it? But yeah, always, nice always, though. always the brat, mom, never the brat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It's this show. Sometimes they get away with murder, don't they? But brilliantly, <laughs> you'll notice it on the way in the middle of um, print, pe- peanut butter's journey in the limousine with pickles. 
They go to KFC, Michael, which to you and me sounds like chicken, but actually to them, it's Kiki's French cuisine they end up in by accident, which you mentioned they go for the spaghetti and meatballs. Um, <laughs> but I love the fact that Mr. Peanut Butter says, I feel like I can say all the things I would never say on a date. Like I've never seen The Wire and I don't think I'm going <laughs> to. Which oh. for you and I, I know hurt both of us in the same way. And what I'm essentially saying is, is that Mr. Peanut Butter is cancelled. So um, <laughs> at the end of Mr. Peanut Butter, uh, yeah. RIP, it's been the nice twist, knowing you. The twist in this review is you think we're saying, oh, yeah, there's the, uh, yeah, again, Mr. Peanut Butter's the light to Bojack's shade. You've just got it twisted. Like, at least Bojack's watched The Wire. Like, yeah. in our minds now, like, Peanut Butter's on the darkest timeline because he's not watched The Wire. Peanut Butter is way down in the hole at this point <laughs> compared to Bojack. No, not even close. Not even close. Um, but also, I loved the awkward lady in the trap spaghetti nod as well. The way they do it, and the spaghetti is just so limp and nowhere near being tight and straight to the point where they're going to kiss. They both sigh, as you mentioned. Really cute stuff, this. Yeah. Um, we go back to Yolanda's parents' house, though, once again. I, th I think we're nearly there with this one, but here we go. <laughs> You mentioned that they said they were going to meet outside when the cock crows at midnight. And it turns out, Michael, that the cock is a real person. Of course he is. But not the kind of cock you might be thinking of, you filthy <laughs> listeners at home who've been thinking about Yolanda's sex-obsessed parents. It's an actual cock, as in the chicken, who wanders down the street in his jacket with his shirt on and his sunglasses. And literally, instead of thinking, you're probably expecting he's going to go, whatever a cock does, he goes, it's midnight! <laughs> And I'm the cock. <laughs> and I'm the cock. <laughs> it's amazing, this. And I realise that I'm going to get absolute pelters for my terrible cock-a-doodle-do impression there, but what are you going to do? Um, and there's also, you mentioned the shot where we get to see the three doors of the bedrooms and we get that mm. Scooby-Doo, like people moving in and out the doors. To the left of all that, though, there's also a picture on the wall. It's just a random, I don't think it's any it's an actual paint. I think it's just been put there for effect. Is it a picture of a bird and a bee sitting on a branch together, looking longingly into each other's eyes, which is, of course, a nod to the birds and the bees, which I don't know, Michael, if you know this, but it's about sex. They're talking about sex, Michael. Uh, I, know you're, I know you're a bit you know, wet behind the ears and that, but that's what it is. Um, <laughs> I, remember. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you're wet behind the ears, not just because of the giant tubaloo that's fallen all over the shop, but also... Uh, in that same shot, you see some like palm trees in either corner of the room. And if you look at them closely, the palm trees are designed to look like penises. And the green <laughs> leaves at the top are supposed to look like, well, I think you get the gist. <laughs> <laughs> I have written here that there's just lots of shenanigans, which I can't, there's nothing else to describe here. Just all that lube stuff is madness. Um, Todd, Yolanda's dad trying to force Todd to use his erect penis to plug the <laughs> hole, Michael, right? But all of this turns out to be a clever ploy from Todd, from Yolanda's father because as he is at the bottom of the stairs and can't get back up, he's slipping and sliding all over the place as he shouts to Todd, you need to plug the hole with your erect penis, Todd. And he's making up excuses. If you are paying attention, if you look behind the staircase that Yolanda's father is clinging on to for dear life at this point, underneath the back of the staircase, tucked away in a red box that is locked up is a label on the box that says plugs and beads. It's all oh, there. Wow. And he's hidden it away because he's a crafty little axolotl and he's trying to get taught to get his wanger out, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> we go to Flip McVicker's office, though. And as we've, as Gina Plesser pours her heart out into song, we do ignore all that. 
<laughs> and we get a little updated um, screenshot of uh, of the the sort of thought process board that he's got for for um, for Philbert. We get Act One, Act Two, and Act Three, as you may recall from the previous time. And uh, I'm just going to run through what they're saying now. There's a few changes here. Act One now says Philbert and Fritz remember the good times. Then it says flashback Phil and Fritz. Then it says memories P and F. And then it says B story. Sassy takes a bath. <laughs> Act two now says, are P and F friends or foes? It also says, motorcycle rooftop chase. <laughs> and then Act three says, next day, Sassy takes shower. <laughs> and then there's a little note that's been pinned on top of that that says, wife stuff. <laughs> and then... And I can't really read these super clearly because it doesn't get too close to them, but I'll give it a try anyway. From what I can see, there's another one that says possible wife names, and it says Marigold, Marjorie, with a star next to Marjorie, Kenzie, Kaylee, I think it says. And then there's a couple of others I can't really make out apart from Iris at the bottom. Um, so if anybody else can make out the other two that are on that list, please do send us them at Podcast Horseman. Um we go to Yolanda's parents' house again, and there's just another cute little um, axolotl nod in here because, as you mentioned, in the middle of the fight between the two sisters, Yolanda rips her sister's arms off, I think, and starts to strangle her with her own arms, which would normally sound brutal, but because they're reptiles, Michael, or amphibians, they grow the arms back, which is a <laughs> feature a feature of the axolotl uh, creature in itself. So there you go. A little bit of knowledge for you there as well. Um we also finally leave um, when Yolanda and Todd are leaving in Yolanda's car. What a nice, cute little detail this is. The both of them are sat in the car, Michael. And what are they sitting on? They're both sitting on towels in the car because they don't want to get the seats wet from all the lube that they've been swimming on. Very nice. Very Lovely nice. Detail. We didn't need it, but they gave us it anyway. Um, outside, and we're watching the space station with Mr. Peanut Butter and Pickles. And we get a couple more of these funny gags, Michael. Mr. Peanut Butter says to Pickles, who is obviously quite clearly freezing outside and refusing to go and sit with him. He says, are you the type of war dramatised in the hunt for Red October? Because you're cold. (laughs) 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 And which Pickles finally gets the last one of this, which I quite enjoyed this one. She says, hey, once they've made up, by the way, I should point out, and are cuddling on the planket. She says, hey, am I Taylor Swift grudge against Katy Perry right now? Because even though it makes no sense, I want to be held for a super long time. <laughs> really good. So ridiculous. We go back to the uh, set of Philbert, though, and as you've kind of got the gist throughout this episode, Gina has been obsessed with this, um, what do you call it, a theatre performance. The mm. Kernel of Truth is what it is. It's actually a fictional play, this. Um, yes. Not actually a real one. But it's all obviously centred around corn puns, if you haven't got the gist already. Uh, but you do get a shot as Gina is deleting the soundtrack from her phone after the disaster of an um, audition. We do get a list of the songs, though. Um, so the, the album's called Kernel of Truth. Uh, it's the original cast recording. There's 21 songs on there. Uh, I wonder if that's a not 21 pilots or not. <laughs> but there's <laughs> five lists available, five songs listed. Their names are available. One's called Born for the Corn. One is called Get Me Out of This Maze. Maze spelled M-A-I-Z-E. Uh, there's one called Cream of the Crop. There's one called My Job is the Cob. And the fifth <laughs> track you can see is called What the Shuck. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which is, of course, a lovely little cute gag about corn, Michael. Um, we do get 
a couple of tech, two last things that are in here. We've got um, Bojack's bedroom. I just thought it was really nice the way they used the explosion of the space station in the background as a way to tie like uh, tie three of the narratives together as the people are by, like cutting from scene to scene. Um, you see the uh, space station explode behind Bojack once Gina drops the bomb on him of like, you can have sex with me, but I'm going to bed kind of thing. He's left with that horrible look on his face. Mm. The space station explodes. We then see yeah. Todd. Todd gets dropped off by Yolanda and the space station is still ablaze in the top corner. And then finally, we end up with the two happiest, I think it's fair to say, of the couples in this episode, Mr. Peanut Butter and Pickles, who are kissing lovingly as we see the space station in the background. And last of all, for this week's episode on Horsing Around, um, the song at the end, of course, not the usual credit song again. It is actually a song called Break My Fall, and it's by Doc Robinson. And it's actually quite good. I really enjoyed it. I really, mm. as the... Um, as the closed captions would call it in Netflix, uh, what was it? A, a, a fair acoustic song, I think they called it, or like a soft acoustic song. It's labelled as <laughs> so quite nice. But that is everything for this week's episode of, or for this week's edition of Horse and Around, I should say, in this week's episode of Podcast Horseman. But again, we we'll have to check with our sponsors over at what time is it right now? Uh, yes. I think we're good. We are good. We do still have time for one last thing. And then I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever. And Michael Hamlet, if I'm not mistaken, we've got ourselves a first, haven't we? We have got a first. Um, and quite, a, quite an unexpected one at that. Often this is the point where you say, would you like to go first or second? But we're both going to go together here. And this is something that, like pulling the curtain back a little bit, has kind of happened before we started recording. Is this going to be the first time that we admit maybe and i don't want to therefore cast aspersions on every other episode of podcast horseman you listen to but come to the conclusion together that maybe this episode didn't work that well oh i can't believe you said that i would never <laughs> horseman you've totally and utterly thrown me no, i have to agree unfortunately i have to agree i think the better way to put it, maybe, is that between the two of us, we kind of had this feeling going into what the rewatch of this episode. I think to this point, this is like my least favorite episode. It's probably the fairest way to put it. I don't think there are many, if any, bad episodes of Bojack Horseman, but this is certainly one of my least favorite. And not because they do anything particularly like wrong. I just don't think, I don't think the way that Bojack usually does the shenanigans that end up tying into. The, the three plots together quite well for starters and also end up feeling like they had a lot of meaning. I don't feel like by the end of this, this felt like a stereotypical Bojack Horseman episode. It feels like, as we mentioned, they try to do something out of the box. They try to do something where they've pinned an idea up on the whiteboard and said, can we achieve this? A bit like when they've said, could we do an episode without any sound with the fish out of water episode? Well, the answer, of course, to that was yes. The answer to, can we do an episode where we go absolutely mad and do the reverse of teenagers trying to hide having sex from the parents in the house with a bunch of sex-obsessed axolotls in their lube-filled, <laughs> sex-toy-ridden house? I think the answer might be no, Michael. Possibly, yeah. Um, maybe concept slightly overwhelmed ambition, mm. perhaps. Because um, this is it. I feel like I want to be generous with this take nonetheless because we've just spent the better part of an hour laughing at the jokes, uh, mm -hmm. enjoying revisiting the plots. 
So I, I don't want to come across as hypocritical. There was a lot to enjoy. Nor do I want our credibility as podcasters to be compromised by suggesting that we can't find minor flaws in this show. That otherwise, yes, I think we would agree. Mr. Peanut Butter in the universe can avoid the wire if he wants because he happens to be in one of the only shows that compete, competes with it from a quality standpoint. Um, so it, I wouldn't even go as far to say this is a miss, but I think least favourite is appropriate mm-hmm. because when virtually every episode of the entire run is in those kind of Champions League elite spots, yeah. it's okay for one or two to maybe slip through. And this one did, maybe it was because of all the loop, perhaps, I don't know, but it did feel like a couple of times it slipped. It was very busy, it was very... Plot driven, if you stop and think about it, mm. but not, but oddly, not when you were watching it. It's only upon reflection yeah. and review like this that I kind of sort of appreciate maybe the way that they're trying to move the plots forward. I think I definitely appreciated those plot elements more watching it this time round, but I still feel like I was left with the overwhelming feeling that, like, I don't think this should be seen as a negative, particularly because I think they've tried to do something. And you can like I love the fact that they try to do something that was more out of the box. They try to do something that was a little mm. bit. They literally went, "How far can we go?" Is what they've done here in this episode. They have gone up. Uh, for me, they've went as far as the line. Maybe even put a tour or two over the line in terms of where, <laughs> in terms of where they could get up to. Maybe even put one inside the lube of the episode. Who knows, Michael? Uh, to try and block it back up. But ultimately, for me personally. I think this is, again, I have to say, least favourite because I don't think there are any bad episodes particularly. But I will say, I really, really did, like out of all of the stuff that goes on in this episode, I loved, and I don't think I ever have previously, the peanut butter and pickle stuff in this episode really was the mm. stuff that worked for me the most, I think. That was the stuff I got the most out of, I think, in this episode. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree. I think the um, the Bojack and Gina plot, was a story that they've told before on Bojack, and they they never they never tell it badly. Yeah. It just felt as if it was a tacked on version of the times they told it better. Um, yeah. It didn't feel like it maybe carried the power that these incredible stories of um, masculine versus feminine roles within Hollywood, uh, as Princess Carolyn put it, sexual power dynamics and things of that nature. I, I, it's it's mastered it. Bojack Horseman has mastered it like no television show or film I've ever seen. Um, this wouldn't be the example perhaps I would show to somebody to explain how they've mastered it. Yep, I think that's probably quite fair. And he has one little point for maybe you to ponder in this episode, in this with this episode, and an episode that we both have agreed pretty much that is up to this point our least favourite of the show so far. Is it a coincidence that we barely got any Diane or Princess Carolyn? I will leave that for you to ponder. I'm not suggesting that is the exact reason, uh, but it almost definitely is. So, anyway. Are you saying they gimmicked an episode to be worse than all the rest by taking out the two central female by, characters? By taking I, out... I am. That was an inspired bit of writing, yeah. and it's now the best episode ever. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. What happens is we haven't quite realised why this episode is actually really good and us feeling left underwhelmed is the desired effect they were going for in whatever department. And I'm sure one day when we get RBW on here, he can he can tell us exactly why that is. Um, well, but until that time... We'll bring that up on the finale with him um, because it's only by then that we'll have probably got on his level. I mean, I don't even know if we'll be on his level at that point, but we might be close. He's in the penthouse still and we're like, I don't know, the 11th floor. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's in the shed. We're close enough. He's in the rarefied air and we're trying to get there, but never mind. Anyway, until that point, 
Uh, you can maybe give this podcast a follow if you'd like to. Why not? Uh, if you've enjoyed what you've listened to in this episode, or maybe if you even haven't, uh, just give us a follow at Podcast Horseman. Uh, we tend to have all the updates for the show as we have them in terms of when episodes are coming out, where you can find them, um, any interesting tidbits, perhaps. Please do send us your favourite bits from the show. Send us your thoughts. Send us your, if you find anything funny, interesting. We obviously do tell you that this is a spoiler-free podcast, so we can only really talk about things we are aware we're up to on the podcast because we don't want to spoil it for anybody who might find themselves in the podcast horseman feed from time to time. But please do give us a shout-out, give us a give us one message, whatever. We love to talk ourselves horse about a talking horse, and that's what we'd like to do with you um, and in the same vein if you'd like to follow either of your hosts you can do just that you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at pod no at Adam at it's Adam Nicholas I'm, I'll get there in the end and you can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit um, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts where we'd love you to subscribe on Spotify where you can follow on Acast where you can also subscribe on Amazon where it won't come the next day on Prime no matter if you pay the premium um, but you can definitely download it and it'll be there on your phone as quick as they can get it there for you if the servers are working a new problem um, yeah you can get it on Acast where you can also subscribe you can wherever available please leave us some feedback give us a star rating all these begs that you've heard on every other podcast, we're no different than that. It gets us up the chart. It gets more people talking themselves, horseback talking horse. And if you leave us a five-star review, you will one day get a star on our Hollywood Talk of Fame, but not in season five, Adam Douglas, because in season five, we are giving them out for quote tweets every Friday on the Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. Um, the episode goes up with the ACAST link available to stream, and we invite all of our regulars and indeed anybody who may be new to the podcast to dish out a quote tweet, put a few words in there, share it with your followers, get more people talking themselves horse about talking horse, and you too could get yourself a star on our Hollywood Talk of Fame, very special season five edition, just like at Aaron Coleman 95 did. Thank you, Aaron Coleman. We know you're a regular contributor to our end of season specials. Great with the questions, great with the support. Thank you very much. Very nicely popping on last week with a quote tweet for season five, episode two to say, oh, how I've missed this podcast with a love heart emoji. Simple but effective. His followers will have felt obliged to go and subscribe as well because they believe in the words of Aaron Coleman and so do we. Thank you very much for that quote tweet. Aaron, a star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame will be winging its way over to you very soon. And Michael Hamplett is correct. You too can indeed get yourself a star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame. So if you're listening, Bono, by all means, <laughs> um, do give us a five-star review and we will be sure to give you the sweetest thing, which will be a five, a star of your own on the Hollywood Talk of Fame. Anyway, oh. let's go across to the Netflix synopsis for next week's episode. And here are three words you thought you'd never hear. Bojack the Feminist, season five, episode four. When Princess Carolyn casts a disgraced celeb in Philbat, Bojack inadvertently takes a stand. Mr. Peanut Butter tries to toughen up his image. And if I recall correctly, I think I enjoy this one quite a bit for its all-out stupidity in all the best possible ways. Back to the great brand of silliness. I can see it in your eyes. You can't see his eyes, listeners. But I can see Michael Hamlet has been pondering over you two song names for the last couple of minutes. <laughs> And it's got me worried. It's got me worried. So I'm just trying to shoot the kneecaps off him first before he gets going. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people are like posting pipe pictures here in the UK because the pubs are back open. I'm not part of that world. I just want to get back to the discotheque. That's all I'm after, you know. And you're kind of like bringing this up in the middle of a podcast. I got to be honest, like when it comes to this podcast, I couldn't do it with or without you. 
Mm. I just want to get through this. I'm not interested in U2 songs. I'm not interested. Sorry, no, in... sorry, that was Daniel Benfield. If you've gone wrong there, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go down these avenues where the streets have no name. I just want to do this podcast with you. Are you done? I think I'm good. Good, because the day that you're done, well, that'll be a beautiful day. Anyway, I've been Adam Nicholas. <laughs> I've got Vertigo, and I've been Michael Hamlet. <laughs> and this has been not Elevation. It's been. Podcast Horseman. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.